What an exciting day to be in the house of the Lord. Jamie, I am really ecstatic that you're here. Jamie loves the Lord. She walks with the Lord. She, she is the embodiment of this, this whole thing. She's been through all kinds of Jerichos, and you have fallen on your face and worshiped the Lord to get to your Jerichos. Guys, that's the bottom line. That's the big idea. Uh, it's a crazy day because twice I've looked at my guitar and twice the batteries have gone bad. Yeah, that's really interesting. That's ne- and a string broke, you know. So it's it's like God saying, and it's like I could almost feel God smiling, saying, "Don't worry, I've got this one," because the message today is the battle is the Lord's. Oh, how we forget that the battle is the Lord's. It is not ours. Over and over and over, we want to think that it is, and so we grab hold of it all, thinking that the battle is ours. Open in your Bibles to Joshua chapter five. We're going to do. Just a few verses, 13 through 15, and then we're going to move in. John would prepare himself to go into Jericho. And he, it's interesting also to remember he could not get to the promised land without going through Jericho. He was there, but the first thing that he faced was a Jericho. We're going to talk about the Jerichos that are the stresses in our life. Michael showed this to me, Pastor Michael, right before the the. I've got to read this right now after what just happened, then I'm going to give you your Bible back. Before we even look at the text, Paul knew about stress, hard-pressed, perplexed, persecuted, abandoned. These were the situations that were part of Paul's everyday life. For us, each day, amen, if you feel this, is filled with different levels of stress, regardless of occupation, age, social status, wealth, lifestyle, we experience stress. Some we bring on ourselves from poor planning, saying yes too often or being disorganized. Hopefully we learn our lesson so it won't happen again. Stress always arises from factors outside of our control. And I will say stress gets its completion when we don't give the battle to the Lord. Amen. That's what happens. Read with me now. Whose side are you on? Now it came up. Remember what's happened last week. Remember he was in Gilgal. All the men got circumcised, and we talked about circumcision of the heart last week. And so there he is. That's all happened. Maybe the guys are still there recovering from the circumcision. And it says, he looked up, raised his eyes, and behold, a man was standing opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. So it's definitely this aggressive posture. And so he's looking at this guy. Joshua is no chicken. He's there with his sword in his hand, looking at this other guy with his sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and he said, are you for us or are you for our enemies? Really what he said was, whose side are you on? All right. Whose side are you on? And look, look, Jana, what he says. He said, that's this person, this being, no. So whose side are you on? Them or us? He says, no. That's an odd answer, isn't it? Rather, I have come now as captain of the army of the Lord. You say amen. And Joshua fell on his face. Move your sandals from your feet. For the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Isn't that exciting? Six. Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua as he's looking off from a distance, Michael, see, I have given Jericho into your hand. It's king. Lord, let us see this morning what you would have us to learn from this text. Lord, 
that we would see the Jerichos in our lives and we would learn, Lord, how to prepare ourselves, starting with me, how to combat these things. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. The book of Joshua is all about Canaan living. And by Canaan living, I don't mean dying and going to heaven. It is about living a life that's abundant, okay? Jesus talked about it. I have come that you have life and that you have it more abundantly, John 10, 10. God doesn't, doesn't ever, these are some lessons we've learned, God doesn't leave us where he finds us. Jamie, he found you there. He takes you to somewhere else. He found the children of Israel in Egypt, in suffering and in slavery. He took them out and he takes them to the promised land. He found each of us in a state of slavery and in a state of bondage and in a state of lostness, in a state of, of just confusion. And he wants to take us into this promised land, which is, I say, abundant living, okay? It's the abundant lifestyle. Secondly, God wants us to be victors, not victims. Remember, the first generation that left Egypt, they were victims. They saw themselves as victims. They weren't. They were delivered by God. And we saw them get right up to the edge of going into the promised land. They sent out the spies who came back. Ten of them gave bad reports, and only two gave a good report. The names of the two were Joshua and who? Caleb, all right? But those others said, we went in there, and there's giants in the land. We went in there, and there's fortified cities in the land. We went in there, and there's rivers in the land. We can't go over this stuff. It's too insurmountable, okay? And then they ended that sad thing we looked at, Don, in Numbers chapter 12, where it says... And they saw themselves as grasshoppers, and so their enemies saw them. When we see ourselves as grasshoppers, that's how the enemy sees us. He reminds us over and over, you're just a grasshopper. You can't make it through the worship thing. Your batteries have gone out twice. Your string's broken. All right? But when we see ourselves as God sees us, Paul says we are more than conquerors. All right? We're not grasshoppers. The next crowd that came saw themselves as victors. Joshua said, I believe that God gave us this land. I believe we're going to walk into the land. Come on and follow me. And they did. Okay. So we are to be victors and not victims. Today, Devin, the big idea, Devin loves to hear what the big idea. Devin, the battle is the Lord's. It's not yours. And the way you prepare for that battle is not sharpening all of your own earthly weapons, but you spend time with him to learn his battle plan. That's how you do it. We get on his side, you know. So interesting here. I'm going to talk about where this, this being, this commander of the Lord, who I think was a Christophany, Jesus, and I'm going to tell you why in a minute. He says, are you on our side or are you on their side? And he says, no. The bottom line is God doesn't take sides, okay? He takes over when we let him. He doesn't take sides. Spend time with him to learn his battle plan. The book of Joshua is all about battles. It's conflicts. It's troubles. It's the things that we go through after we become Christians. Someone probably told you, you'll become a Christian. You'll never have another problem. That's when all your troubles began. All right. That's when the conflicts began. All right. All kinds of enemies come at us. And it is also the book of Joshua about being overcomers. We see over and over and we learn from this text, just like Paul talks about, that we're to learn from what the Israelites went through, how, Linda, we're to live our own lives. Secondly, we watch the children of Israel lay hold of the promises of God. That's what Joshua did. He listened to them, he believed them, and he acted on them. And, Julian, when we listen to the promises of God and we 
believe them in our hearts and we act on them, that's how we end up getting to promised land kind of living. All right, abundant life living. There are a lot of what uh, I was listening to one of the pastors from Calvary Chapel, Doreen and uh, Randy, the other day, and he was talking about wilderness Christians. And I love this thing. He said, some Christians are in the wilderness. They've been saved. They've gotten out of Egypt. And then they wander in the wilderness forever and ever and ever. They never make it to the promised land. They're believers, but they have no victory in their life. They're wilderness Christians. They're out there talking about it all, but they're not living at all. Okay? And they're always talking about how hard life is and how impossible things seem to be. It would be like if we came here every week and we just talked about all the things that were a problem at Union Grove. Gosh, I mean, what, how uplifting would that be? It wouldn't be. All right. But we come and we talk about the mysteries of God and how he provides for us like he did last week. You know, uh, some were wringing their hands. How will we ever raise this money to buy this air conditioner? If God wants us to have it, it'll happen. And it did. And people gave money, y'all, that don't even go here. They got a bulletin and read in it and saw it on the Internet. I mean, is that amazing? Is that God or what? All right. That's not us. We can't strategize, Larry, that well. We can't seem even to pray that hard. God provides these things even when we don't know how it's going to happen. A victorious Christian talks about the possibilities because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. A wilderness believer has not learned how to walk day by day in faith. The wilderness believer looks at the promised land, Jamie, from afar, wistfully looking out there, seeing what they could have, but never setting foot in the promised land. The victorious believer approaches life and walks through it, hanging on to the promises of God, David, and believing them and saying, God, I'm going to choose to believe that you will do what you say you'll do, and I'm going to act on that, and I'm going to step out in faith. I did that this morning. I had some things that I woke up with that just were tormenting me. To be honest with you, I mean, not tormenting is too strong of a word. And I told Sandy, I said, I'm just not ready for some reason for the Jerichos that are out in front of me. I said, I need time alone, closed the door, went in. What did I do? Fell before the Lord, okay? Listening to him. That is how we prepare ourselves to get through the things, Aaron, that seem insurmountable. It's just what you do. Canaan living is being in possession of the promised land. You didn't just inherit it, but you went and got it. See, the land was given to Abraham, and we learned in our Tuesday morning men's Bible study, Abraham, God said, this land is yours. He goes to it. He gets there. There's a famine. What does he do? He went down to Egypt. He never took possession of it. God gave it to him, and he left. He thought, well, this isn't good enough. God, what you've given me is not good enough. Went to Egypt, and it goes on and on, and they really never possess the land until Joshua takes them in and says, I am going to believe that God does what he says he does. He will deliver on it, and I'm going to act on it. We still have battles, Tim, but the victorious Christian learns and knows that the battle is the Lord's. We have these struggles. We have these battles. We have these stresses. We have these problems that come our way. And really, it's curious because Christianity is like the only paradigm I know of where to win the battle, you have to surrender. Do you know what I'm saying? Where you just have to give up. Stop trying to win it on your own. Stop trying to compete with God and saying, God, you're going to take me through this. You brought me to it, and your grace is going to take me through it. I don't know how you're going to get, sister, through your problem with your back. But God knows. 
and he hears the cry of your heart. I'm talking to Kathy now who's having a, a back problem. Y'all see what I mean? These are the trials that we go through. And God is faithful. He will take us through these trials. Pushing through Jericho and doing it on God's time. I thought about the last few lessons we've had. And I thought about how the first thing that happened when they made the decision, Jamie, to go into the land, they stopped to consecrate themselves. Remember, it was a three-day period that they consecrated themselves before they ever went over Jordan. And we talked about, for us, that's a time of confession, renewal, saying, Lord, get my heart right. So what did, what did he say to Joshua? Consecrate yourselves so you can see the miracle that God is getting ready to perform. So when we consecrate ourselves, and I did that this morning at the side of my bed and on my bed, I readied myself for the miracles that God is ready to perform in areas of my life where I need a Jericho, where I need a, a conquering of Jericho. Y'all follow me? Secondly, then they got through Jordan and they passed on dry land. And remember, we talked about how memories are important and they took stones and they made these memorials. And I talked about cairns, which is a Gaelic word for heaps of stones, where we go back to the cairns, Jamie, in our life. And we remember when we feel abandoned by God, something he did in the past. You go to that memorial and you say, God, I know you're faithful because I saw what you did back at that place. And you go to that memorial and he wants you to remember these things. Scripture is full of God telling us to remember this, to inscribe this on our doorpost, to think of that, to build a monument, to build stones. You see what I mean? And so they went to that and they built that cairn and then they settled over in a place called Gilgal. And we talked about Gilgal and Gilgal was where it says that God pushed away the shame of Egypt from them. Shame of Egypt, that was weird. He just let them know that they were forgiven for their disbelief. He let them know it was okay. And they sat there and they confessed their sins. And we talked about how we as believers exercise 1 John 1, 9. Even though we're Christians, we go on sinning. Some come to know Christ or they, you know, rededicate their life or something. And then they go sin again and they go, well, I guess it wasn't real. It was real. The Lord knows that and he gave us a tool in 1 John, where he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I will say that is again and again and again. Yes, and again. <laughs> Michael wanted to cut it off. I'm not going to let him. And Jericho was close in the distance. There they were. Uh, they, he, he said, go circumcise all the men. Lord, you got to be kidding. Now our enemies are as close as the Whitehall store. And you're telling us to disable ourselves for a, a week while we can't even lift a sword or fight? It was an act of faith, and they did it. They performed it. All right? That's our Gilgal, a time of refreshment, renewal, recommitment. Then Israel had to get through Jericho before they could begin to experience the promised land. They had to get through Jericho. And this is, it's cut off here, but I'll tell you what it said. They have to get through Jericho, and what has to happen before they get through Jericho is a time of divine appointments. Some of us in here have not had a divine appointment for a long, long time. You talk about it. Do you all know what I mean by divine appointment? Where you get alone with God and you have a wrestling match with God. Where you wrestle and you finally give up. And you get on your face and you say, God, I'm going to surrender this piece of my life. I'm going to surrender this 
formidable fortress that's out in front of me that I can't get over. God, I'm giving up. All right, and you let God take over. Now, it's important to remember that these battles, these Jerichos, we don't go up against a city that's, you know, a big city. That's not where our battles are. Paul talks about the battles that we go through. He says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, all right? Against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And I got to think, thinking about that and so many of the things in society that we get confused about really are just based in evil. I was thinking about pornography. I was thinking about human trafficking, okay? Thinking about college professors that poison our kids' minds, all right? This all originates, guys, in spiritual places. They're principalities and rulers of darkness of the world. And many are doing these things, and they don't even realize that they're being controlled, okay? This has to do with political control as well. Hostile neighbors. You think, man, my neighbor is a pain in the ear, okay? It just may be that you're involved in a spiritual battle. You probably are. How about chaos in the world? Why is this happening in the world? Guys, we wrestle not against the world. We wrestle against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places. Even and especially dissension in the church comes from these sources. You know, we can disagree and we have a, a council where we meet and we have, we're always, all of us are always on guard, but we're on guard from outside influences that would make us not walk in harmony with one another. You know, the Lord wants us to be in unity with one another. So all those kinds of things come from outside, okay? And they come from our flesh too. So what are the strongholds? If Jericho was a big stronghold, did you know we also have strongholds in our life? We do. Some have a stronghold of self-doubt. They believe that they can't do anything. Some have a stronghold of fear that they cannot overcome. Some of us have a stronghold of fear of our health situation. Okay? You think, I, I can have a stronghold where I get concerned about my aging body. And yet we read in 2 Corinthians 4 today that I'm in this thing that's a decaying vessel. Okay? And these are strongholds. And my mind can get what I go, I call wiki-wacky, where it gets crazy. And I know it's not where God wants it to be. And I go and I claim this verse. Paul says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. means we don't do them with our hand. But mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. When I get a thought of the flesh or I get something pulling me in a direction that I know is not where God wants me to be, I claim this verse. This is a verse that I claim to be able, Mike Quayley, to have Canaan living. I say, Lord, this thought is not of you. I'm asking you to tear it down, tear this stronghold down that's in my brain, pull it down and cast it down and stomp it in the ground, all right? Because it is exalting itself against what I know to be God's will for my life. Y'all hear me? 
Guys, this is the stuff that Jericho's made of for us. These are spiritual battles, AJ, that you're involved in. This isn't just loneliness. This is a battle for your mind, okay? And you have weapons here that are not carnal, but they are mighty to pull down strongholds. Amen? And Paul talked about that in Ephesians 6, and we talked about the weaponry that we use when we put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. I'm not just quoting this stuff, guys. I'm living it. And I'm asking you to live it with me. Okay, we, right, live it with me. Let's walk in it. Let's be in the promised land where we're supposed to be. That's Canaan living and abundant life living. So, taking down Jericho in your life. Strongholds arise when your flesh doesn't want you to live in victory. Your flesh will want you to do things. Some of you all have battled with chemical addictions, okay? Your flesh says, I want that. I'm going to battle against what God wants for you. And your flesh goes to war with you. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? Can you say amen? amen? All right. Thank you, Devin. I appreciate that. Also, strongholds are present when the world desires to steal your joy and your loyalty to Jesus. Guys, the world wants to steal your loyalty from God and your loyalty to Jesus. When Aaron and Stephanie came to the Lord and they lived in a nudist colony, didn't even know they were moving on to it. Don't mean to embarrass y'all. They put a sign up in their window that says, He is risen at Easter time once they come to the Lord. And those folks came out and said, You've got to move this sign. We can't have that in there. You may upset our customers. All right. Why is that? Because the world desires to steal your joy and your loyalty to the Lord Jesus. And we didn't let them. We prayed and we laid it, laid it before the Lord and He delivered you from that situation. And I was witness to that and part of that. Strongholds are also present when Satan tempts you to give up on God and say you're done. Years ago, my young son Alex, his best friend, came down with cancer. Had never drunk, had never smoked. 21 ended up with a cancer in his back. It was dead in 11 months, okay? And, and Alex prayed. He said, Dad, no human being could pray as much as I prayed. And he's come and preached to us before, if y'all remember. And it broke his heart, and he said, I can't believe in a God that won't hear my prayer with my best friend. All right? That's because that's what Satan wants you to do, to give up on God. All right? He tempts you to give up, and Alex gave up for a season, and say you're done and no longer believe, and eventually the Holy Spirit brought him back. Okay? God says you're not going to win the battle with bows and arrows, but equipped with these spiritual weapons that I talked about. Now, I want to talk for a minute about how Joshua prepared himself, because this is where it gets really interesting, prepared himself to get into Jericho. We've already talked about this. This is the whole armor of God. When he says there in that verse 13, are you for us or our enemies? Whose side are you on? He said, no, rather, I have come now as captain of the army of the Lord. And Joshua fell on his face. Look at this, guys. This is preparation to the ground, and he bowed down, and he said to him, what has my Lord to say to his servant? That's a model, guys, right there for getting past the Jericho in your life. So the question is, who is this captain of the guard? Was it an angel? Who thinks it might be an angel? Maybe, okay, two, three, all right. It's not an angel, and I'm going to show you why. We know it's not an angel. Remove your sandals from your feet, 
and the place where you're standing is holy ground. Joshua fell on his face and bowed down. Did you know, Scott, everywhere in the Bible where people try to worship angels, angels stop them. That is how we know who this is. Because this being does not stop him. This being receives worship. You hear me? This is Jesus. This is what we call a Christophany. Jesus appeared in the form of a man with a sword drawn. And he says, you know what? I'm not on your side and I'm not on their side. I'm on my side. And I'm here in Joshua. I'm going to take Jericho. And on this one and this alone, I'm going to take it alone. So you'll know that the Lord your God did it. That the commanders of the army of, of the Lord did it. Okay. And he said, take your shoes off. You're on holy ground. God wasn't there to take sides. He was there to take over. All right. He was there to take over. I love a quote by Abraham Lincoln in the Civil War. They came to him. And they said, oh, President Lincoln, I sure hope that God is on our side. And you know what he responded? I don't care at all about that. I want to know if we're on God's side. You know, God doesn't take sides, guys. He takes over when we let him. That's what's so cool about it. When I began pastoring to this little group, to Paul and Wendy and Sue and Betty and Tim and Big Rick and Donnie, and who am I leaving out? That's about it. I decided that this time I was going to do it God's way and not rely on my own strength. And I can say to this point in time, with God's help, I've pretty much done that. Because that's the only way. Unless the Lord builds a house, they that build it, build it what? In vain. It would be all vanity. Larry and I used to tease about painting the sky or painting our ceiling black and bringing in a smoke machine and lights and all this stuff. See, don't ever get, we don't want to ever get carried away, Larry, to do that. We would laugh. No smoke machine. No black lights. This is the captain of the Lord. And these are the, your scripture references. If you go to Colossians 2.18 and Revelation 22.8-9, those who thought it might be an angel, read those and you'll see this couldn't have been an angel. This was the commander of the Lord's armies, whose name is none other than Yeshua himself, which happens to be the name of Joshua. They're both in Hebrew, the same name. Jesus, meaning Joshua, he had to come to Jesus meeting. Joshua had to come to Joshua. Jesus had to come to Jesus. However you want to look at it. To prepare himself, he fell on his face to the ground. And then he says this, what has my Lord to say to his servant? Sometimes, Travis, when I'm out on my zero turn, my 810Z or A or whatever it is, where's Travis? Where's Travis? He went away. Oh, Travis had to leave. Sorry, didn't mean to pinpoint Travis. I say, Lord, speak to me. Your servant's listening. You ever do that, Mike, when you're riding on a tractor? I bet you do. You know, and it's amazing the things. Probably you do that too, Louie. You say, Lord, and you just feel like he's watching you and talking to you. And I always tease Travis, wondering if God can only talk to me on a John Deere. But no, it's also Kubota. I don't think he's restricted by that. And I'll say to the Lord, Lord, what has my Lord to say to his servant? If we listen and don't have our mind already made up, if we have our mind already made up, God doesn't talk to us. Right? He says, your mind's already made up. But if we can say, Lord, I'm open to whatever you would put into my mind, God puts some amazing Wonderful things in our minds. Now, not every thought that comes in your mind is from the Lord. I want to make that clear. But if a thought comes and it pesters, I say, Lord, are you pushing me in this direction? You kind of get a knowledge that it is after a while. 
Then he says, take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. I feel like I'm going to trip on something up here. <clears throat> you know, you're on holy ground wherever you fall on your face. That's the cool thing with the Holy Spirit. You're on holy ground whether you're in that camper that you've got or whether I'm in the backyard or out in the barn. Wherever you are, it's holy ground when you say, Lord, I'm here and I'm listening. That's the holy ground. It's time for some of you young people to have a divine appointment. Matthew, you're the perfect age for God to speak to you. How old was Samuel, y'all, when God spoke to him? He was a little bitty kid, wasn't he? And he would get up and run into there. Wasn't it Eli he went to and he said, did you call me my master? No, I didn't call you. Go back and lay down. I think it happened. Didn't it happen three times, Wayne? He goes back over and over. God doesn't need you to be old to talk to you. Now, he does talk to old people because remember at this time, this is a, a note to some of us here are on Social Security already. Joshua was, was probably 80 years old when this was happening, which is kind of cool. So what does this mean for you and me today? You know what, guys? I have to give up sometimes my plans, my dreams, and my wants. A dream of this thing, and sometimes they're good dreams. Sometimes they're just crazy stuff. And Scott Brown so skillfully reminded us in class today of, was it Garth Brooks' song? You know, thank you, God, for the unanswered prayers. Aren't we blessed that God didn't answer some of the insane prayers that we prayed? I've prayed some pretty weird stuff. And he loved me enough to not answer those prayers. That's what it means to die to yourself. All right. I'm not talking about becoming a Christian. I'm talking about becoming Christ-like. Do you all hear the difference? Tim, do you get it? Don't call me later. It sounds like you were talking about salvation by works. I'm not, Tim. You got saved. This is about Christ-likeness and walking in victory. All right? Second, so you give up. It's the only paradigm, I don't know whatever other word to use, where we have to give up to win the battle. When Scott and Diana's daughter got married, I said, I'm going to give you all three pieces of advice. Three pieces of marital advice. She got her pen out and getting ready to write them out. I said, number one, marriage is not a competition. Wow, that's good. So Su Susanna wrote it down. She says, what's number two? I said, marriage is not a competition. She says, is that what three is going to be too? I said, yeah. And it's the same way with God. A relationship with God is not a competition. All right, you realize he's the head, all right? And you're going to follow whatever he says. Fall on our faces and say, Lord, what do you have to say to me? I don't know, but I think some of you probably have never fallen on your face. I mean, literally gotten on your face on the floor. And I would suggest go home, lock the door if you don't want to be discovered, and fall on your face before the Lord and say, Lord, here I am. Just do what you would do with my life, for my life to be the way you want my life to be, the way you want my marriage to be, okay? You're so busy competing with God that you've made yourself miserable, all right? Instead of falling on your face and saying, Lord, I just want to do what you want to do, because if I go to do what I think I want to do, and it's not what you want me to do, I'm going to be miserable. Amen? We do. We do these things. Get out of the way and let God lead in your life. Stop resisting him. Why do we resist him? I don't know why I resist him. I guess because I want my way. I want the power. Yeah. Who else wanted things his way back in the garden? Yeah. He tempted him. You'll be like God. You can have your own way.
Joshua literally had a come to Jesus meeting and realized that Jesus is the captain of the armies of the Lord. You know, before one foot moved, Joshua had a divine appointment. Before he took his first step to, towards Jericho, he had this divine encounter. That's really the lesson for today, Devin. That's the big idea here. Before you take this step to overcome this thing that you're trying to overcome in your life, regardless of what it is, have a divine appointment. Y'all hear me? That's what this piece of scripture is telling us. We can't do it on our own. I cannot, you cannot stop trying. It's nothing but futility. Do it God's way. If you want to be everything you're supposed to be, you've got to have these divine appointments in your life. You can't do it alone. That's the question. That's the thing I'm offering you guys today. That's the word for today. Joshua sat there and the Lord appeared. He recognized him. He fell on his face. He worshiped him. He said, Lord, speak to me before he ever took one step towards Jericho, because next week we're going to see where God tells him how God is going to take Jericho. The people aren't going to do anything but walk around it seven times and shout. All right. Can you imagine how silly that must have sounded when God told him, now you're going to go out, okay, with our spears? No. With our swords? Uh-uh. Uh, with all of our horses? Nope. With your trumpets? Our trumpets? Go out and blow this horn and scream? This is how crazy things are, okay? But when we're following God's way, it's not crazy. It's God's way. We've got to have divine appointments. Praise him today that he is on the throne. I want to end with this. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22, we read, And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things in the church. Guys, things are already under Jesus' feet. It's not like it's going to happen. It's, the Bible tells us it's already been done, okay? He already did it. Jericho has already been given to us. Do you all realize? Remember what the commander says to him? Jericho is yours. I've given you the king. I've given you the walls. I've given you the city. Now go and take it. What I would say to you all this morning is God has already given you this Jericho that's out there. Go take it. All right? Let's pray. Oh, the big idea again, God wants you to experience Canaan living, Devin. You face humanly insurmountable obstacles. The battle is the Lord's. Fall on your face. Worship him. Seek to hear his voice and obey. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, thank you that we don't have to do this on our own. Oh, Lord, I don't know what we would do if we had to. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to live a white-knuckle grab hold and work harder kind of faith. Lord, teach us to just rest in your grace, to not try to do these things on our own. Lord, these struggles that we have in our life are born in our flesh, in the world, and in Satan himself. Lord, let us just surrender today to do things your way, to hear your voice, to fall on our faces and worship you. And Lord, we just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.